first off, you're in the right place. This is the story that Karen led you to. All of her little clues and hints, some of them so subtle, just wisps. Some of them big boulders you only find when you care to look. Anyway, you're here now, and me and Marsha, well, we're a part of her story, too, and, and so I just thought... You uh, thought you'd listen to it first, and then you thought you'd call me to your cottage out here, and we'd listen to Karen together, and we'd add our own tape, and then we'd put it back where we found it. It's, thank you, Milton, for calling me. You know, Karen is just so totally unique, like really hard to figure out. It's hard to even imagine what I'm about to hear, like how she really felt about me and the work we did together. She cared about you, Marsha. You should know that. I'm excited. And I'm scared. And I'm a little sweaty. And I don't even care that someone I've never even met is going to listen to me talk about all of these feelings I have. But Milton... I want to hear it from her. I... I need to hear it from her. All right. All right. Well, this first part, all we have are these pages I've printed out. So, I'll get us started. She found him in the morning. Karen couldn't really have been... Sure, it was him, a bluish blur in the corner of her eye, but it was something about the way he came into her vision, like a glimmer in the dark of it for fear it might disappear. She didn't dare direct herself toward. When it moved again out of the corner of her eye, she left the hot dog vendor waiting with an open bun, muttering something about ketchup, mustard. The light across the street turned green, and he moved quickly, but not in a hurry. Wearing an odd, pleated shirt she'd seen on a poster somewhere, a backpack hung off his shoulders, and an umbrella swung in his hand. One of the long ones with candy cane handle and some pink print design. That and the shirt. He must have a girlfriend. But how is that possible? It isn't possible, she thought, feeling self-aware of her overconfidence, but it worked anyway. She looked down and saw her legs driving forward through the crowd on his parallel sidewalk, making up ground. She didn't 
ask herself what she was doing. It was more like a siren blaring in her head, growing quiet for brief moments before it overtook all of her senses. She smiled faintly, feeling giddy and glanced down in, in wonder. I'm still moving. But how would she meet him? How would she find out where he really lived? What do men respond to pain? New plan. She caught him picking through foot traffic in front of an office building in Midtown Manhattan. The spring morning's angled sun gave the promenade a hyper-real bearing with every flit of the eye met by momentary blindness while her pupil adjusted to sunlight magnified off towering walls of glass. He approached the skyscraper, its revolving door sounding uneven rhythms, a crescendo of swishing as Karen began to jog, approaching from the other side. This would be her best chance. She knew. Even if she didn't know, enduring another night just waiting would have consequences. She had begun to pull the hair that grew above her ears slowly with her index finger and thumb. The pain made it harder to think. How long would it be until, in her idleness, she found more efficient ways not to think? Maybe a day or two, but certainly not three, and she hadn't even seen him for two days before this. No, it, it had to be now. So... She ran. Tote bag clutched against her side with one arm. She eased business suits and long, thin dresses out of her path with the other. Finally, she had a clear view of him about ten paces from the door. Karen sprinted full speed until she entered his peripheral vision, and then she slowed instantly to a walk. She turned her head absently like... She never saw Jeffrey Galloway before she accelerated and collided with him, sending everything in their arms flying as if released from a centrifuge. He crawled on his hands and knees, moaning as he grasped the concrete, searching for nothing in particular. Someone nearby had already begun crouching to check on him, but... Karen came to her feet, bumped the Samaritan out of the way, reached out and clutched Jeffrey's shoulders. Oh my God, I am so sorry, shit. This never should have happened. Karen passed her palm over her forehead a few times, moving hair out of her eyes for the moment he would meet them. What the fuck was that? Jeffrey asked and... Then he saw her, and then he sucked a breath through his teeth as if he could 
pull his words back from the air. Honey brown hair teased into bouncy loops, dark skin, a black and green tattoo that started at the bottom of her neck and disappeared into the shoulder of her blouse. Around five months earlier, a friend in a chat window asked him about the woman of his dreams. His imagination had come to life now, reaching for a shoe on the concrete. The date was dull. He feared himself, so the encroachment of meaningful conversation came under withering fire, fallen in pools of pursed smiles and mumbled acknowledgement. <laughs> okay, Karen, that's, that's pretty funny. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, but, but there were tells, echoes of something hidden. He gripped her wrist atop the dinner table and squeezed hard. He looked into her eyes and she pulled back timidly, averted her gaze and stuttered something, bit her bottom lip. He squeezed tighter and pulled her forward, urging her toward his body. You really are so pretty. She smiled meekly. He released her and she adjusted her simple blue dress as if straightening small wrinkles. smelled like cigarette smoke. Cheap, long-sleeved shirt, a little bit shiny. Flecks of hair embedded in his cheek, a curved grin that did not fit at all with his otherwise attractive face. He was fit and finicky, eyes fixed, then darting. Tonight, he dressed like an off-duty cop. His checkered polo, uneasily wetted black and blue, sleeves too starchy, a crease along his elbow like a mannequin, a slimy toothpick circulated between his teeth. His jeans were too blue, too straight, too neatly faded down the middle, too baggy and an inch too short. His face looked young, with thin brown stubble and creases around his eyes when he offered his vaguely malicious smile. Karen was preoccupied with a familiar thought. I didn't, I didn't even think about getting married or something like that because I thought dating in my 30s was so glamorous. Instead, it was a parade of rumbled, ambitious men who broke the hearts of quiet women with genuine smiles and doe eyes. They were always so disappointed when they found out that she had neither. She would not feel vulnerable. She would never lose control of this situation, but she could not hide herself. She'd made it this far for a reason. Because he wanted Karen. Jeff Galloway wouldn't fall for, her, uh, for some mirage. Well, he might, but she couldn't risk that. Jeff Galloway would fall for Karen. All of her.
Yuki could sense her nervous energy. She saw on the corners of his lips, which turned up whenever she left enough time between words. Her tongue was in his mouth as he scratched at his door with a key. When he bit her lip, she exhaled all of her breath. She grasped and pulled at his hair just so he would grab her wrists, which he placed over her crotch as he closed the door behind them. What did everyone know about this guy? A thought escaped loose in her head. What does everyone know about me? Insecurity. Trapped. And repressed. His apartment was all one room. A loft, bed in the far corner behind an incomplete set of those folding paper walls. A projector between she and the bed still projecting. Big cats chasing antelope. This one gets away. Karen worked hard to seem like she needed to look poised, but that she'd been betrayed by small size, a, a faltering smile. She had studied this on the internet because it fit his psychological profile. This really was her first time doing something like this. That helped, but he still thought she was just trying to act cute. He pushed her down onto the bed, a large red circle with sheets she Raid had been laundered. He pressed his knee down on each of her arms, sinking them beneath her neck as he reached down the side of his head, producing black buckles to tie her arms spread wide. She resisted gamely with a grin on her face. He, he left the bed and she struggled for real this time, checking to make sure she could find a way out of Jeffrey's restraints. Her dress had been pulled down to the waist, um, bra still fastened. Um, Jeffrey Galloway stood behind a gap in the paper walls, scanning the furniture. She solved the buckles, but Karen was willing to wait and see what he had in mind. He snatched a tall, dim lamp from the corner of the loft, disappeared behind the wall, and sucked air through his teeth in short, pained bursts. He returned to the bed, gripping the stem of a light bulb. Oh, God, you've been so bad. He didn't really speak. More like his words were exhaled in time to make room for his tongue, pressed firmly between his teeth before it escaped with a scraping noise that Karen must have imagined, like, like sandpaper on rubber. He reached out, his arm straight, moving deliberately until his fingertips met Karen's side. She flinched, and he smiled. She saw recollection in his eyes, like she had turned a key with her reaction, triggering an inexorable chain of events, like he knew exactly what kind of girl she was, the kind who is 
fun to conquer. Like her particular type is common. Like she would love every minute of this, would bask in her own humiliation, wishing that she would remember this time more than any other time, like her deepest fears might be replaced with this encounter, which she would carry with her in shame until the shame won and made her forget and she would need to be treated like this again, like he knew that she wanted to touch herself, that she forgot about the straps for a moment, that she clenched her jaw when her hands couldn't go further. She smiled back at him. He replaced his fingertips with the hot bulb. She screamed through her teeth, most of her body writhing above the bed. Before she could say something with her last bit of breath, he burned her again. She moaned. He moved her. He moved to her other side. She couldn't remember about the again. Ah, fuck, again. He took time to smile and stare. The cuffs, she thought. Was it middle finger over right thumb or left index under again? Oh, please, please. She shouldn't have begged. It just came out again, longer this time, just under her breasts. The bruises on her sides were red, symmetrical. Would you know they came from a light bulb, just from the shape? Again? Ah. Fuck. Please think. Please, yes. Thumb out. Index finger up, down, swing pinky again. Uh, it says here that he gently ran his finger over the burn until Karen groaned and tried to turn away. <laughs> uh, wow, it kind of... Uh, goes on like this hey milton mm -hmm. you're the one who wanted to add the color commentary i can take this part i am certainly not going to stop you <clears throat> you love this don't you she tilted her head back past him towards the ceiling to a small shelf above the side of his bed. A green box, half open, with thin red straps bleeding over the sides. Exactly where the seething woman who helps Karen find him said it would be. She turned back to see him licking his lips, in a trance, admiring his work, her chest, lips. He unzipped his pants, big triumphant grin, eyes vacant, like a dream. He leaned over to kiss her neck, supporting himself with an arm pressed against the mattress across her body. She pulled the buckle off her wrist, wrapped her arm around his neck, and climbed atop his back. He didn't writhe, but instead tried to free himself with one determined thrust that was met at the back of his neck by Karen's knee. Shh. She leaned into his ear, villainous, but only one of his wrists was buckled, so she said it again, longer this time, haltingly, as if to affirm that she wasn't trying to reassure him. She tied him face down, and she rose to her feet atop the bed. Hey, he chuckled nervously. What are we doing, baby? 
She jumped off the bed onto a plush shag rug she hadn't noticed before, just beside her red heels, a couple of shades darker, like her red toes, curling into the rug as he twitched. Karen's stride was determined, efficient. The honey brown hair, lizard tattoo, and her timid demeanor were all fake accessories, meant only to draw Jeffrey in. But she did like the way that bouncy curls kissed the top of her shoulders as she walked. She typically wore her jet black hair ironed straight, clinched tight in a ponytail. Karen kept her jaw rigid, lips pursed. Her rich, dark skin was buttery smooth, save for the fading remnants of teenage acne scars. She reached for the box on the small shelf above his bed, pulled out the red straps, and tied them around her waist. Neither of them spoke. Jeffrey, because none of the words in his head could satisfy his ego. Karen, because they were listening. You love this, don't you? She whispered in his ear. I think you want me to be in charge, baby. Hmm. Where's your other phone? No words could satisfy. She pulled his boxers down with two hands, one strong motion. She slapped his ass, open palm. Oh, God. He stifled his whine into a heavy breath. Come on, baby, show me where. She climbed onto the bed, sitting on the small of his back. Why do you want my phone? So weak when you're not inflicting pain, Karen thought. No wonder. I want to save you a picture of what I'm going to do so you don't forget. Oh, jeez. The one in your pants is out of batteries. None of his words could satisfy. She parted his legs. You know, I, I read this for the first time pretty recently. And, you know, I, I knew what had happened uh, f from the subsequent testimony. Um, but seeing it, reading it here, uh, to, to, to read about um, somebody under my command, someone so brilliant, someone who I respect so much, uh, you know, we take our oaths seriously here. And I think, you know, uh, I read this and, and I think it was left as a testimony bearing witness in, in, the, in the truest form, bearing witness. She, she's bearing witness to, to the hardest subject of all, uh, herself. Her, herself right here. And I've got, I've got, I've got pages of this. I, I've, got, I've got tapes. I, I've got, I've, I've put it all together. Yeah, but I can't believe she did something like that. You really can't believe that she went too far? C come on, Marsha, come on. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I know. Just you on the other side of this tape, just listen. Not just to what she's saying, but what she doesn't say and, and what she doesn't 
do, and then I, I think you'll you'll come to understand why 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 I have this volume and 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 why I had to make sure that you could get it too. All right. Um, so this is um, this is Karen one percent and it's by Karen James Find the big light in the fall And all we want is the sunshine But all you are is just the lipstick and cocaine I found it all so hard to notice In my Percent is an audio drama by Bossy Adam, produced by Ken Rich at Grand Street Recording in Brooklyn, with David Debiak, Emily Wolf, Catherine Allison, John Swan, Electric Century, Ryan Ball, Andy Bauer, Avalon Willowbloom, and Cassidy Andrews.
Okay. And then what happened? She never told me about this part. There were four people on this committee. Two women, two men. They sat above her, not in a dais, but on higher chairs, at a higher table, oaken. Hers was metal, the corners of countless plastic binders had pockmarked its surface, stifling the flow of ink to the tip of her pen as she feigned note-taking. Her table faced theirs, in a square room that was slightly underlit, casting a subtle shadow over the eyes of her questioners. Karen sat alone. Over her right shoulder, up against the wall, about seven feet back, was a tall, balding man in a solitary chair. His posture was rigid, face frozen into professional concern. I continued to pursue a sexual relationship with Mr. Galloway. Her voice was feminine, even, and practiced. You penetrated the suspect's anus repeatedly. The man at the center of the table with deepening jowls and a crust of sandy white hair said for the record, he wouldn't tell me where to find the phone. I used extraordinary means, but it was, in fact, consensual. Karen, her superior, leaned back and stroked his chin with a full palm in a gesture of measured disbelief. He spoke to her quietly, as if they were alone in the room. The phone was in the same box where you found that sexual device. I didn't know that! She opened her hands, close to pleading with the four. I didn't see it! There is nothing in the audio record to suggest that she broke her cover to torture the suspect. Another member of the committee offered. He was a mousy man with friendly eyes, maybe 55. Of course, the chairman snorted. She used her cover to torture the suspect. A third member slapped the back of her hand on the table, knuckles echoing for a sharp moment. The bottom line is that Miss James retrieved operational logs from the suspect's cell phone, uploaded our tracker, and precipitated a sting operation that uncovered a network of active foreign agents and, by the way, locked up a serial rapist. The man behind Karen shifted in his chair and let a smile escape. This this, this hearing is not about whether Miss James should be employed the chairman replied with an almost imperceptible stutter. This hearing is about whether Miss James was successful, the woman replied. Is that in question? The chairman frowned and spoke past Karen's shoulder. What do you make of this, Milton? The tall man with the impeccable posture, long black coat and dour suit of a government agent, leaned sideways, crossed his arms, and shrugged. We don't need to land in court, Karen. Oh. This is a courthouse? She turned from side to side in search of her counsel. The right humor for the right crowd stifled smiles and coughs all around. This was her chance. 
You cross the line, and you know it. That's a dangerous habit. Milton's tone was a fatherly scold. Was I successful? Her eyes were on the chairman, but she was asking Milton, who had given her the assignment and seemed determined that his stamp would not appear rubber. Yes, you were, Milton assented quietly. Then I have completed my fieldwork. I've earned my promotion. And now I draw my own lines. The chairman nodded. That concludes this session. Miss James, you will receive a new assignment. The committee began gathering its papers as doors on each side of the room unlocked with an audible click. Milton chased Karen into the hallway. Karen! She turned toward his voice. Yes, you do. You draw them now. Don't ever fucking make me do that again. I couldn't if I wanted to. He cracked a sly smile and she returned one between their shoes. Thank you. She almost hugged him. I can't let you thank me, Karen. I just can't. I've seen what this job can do to people, but you have earned it. Thanks, Belton. I can't, Karen. I can't. Milton disappeared into the swelling lunchtime foot traffic. Karen watched him fade away. Do you remember that, Milton? You really wouldn't let her thank you? Marsha, when I brought the two of you into this agency, I knew what I was doing, okay? I don't deserve your thanks, and... I don't need it, okay? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, from here on we have Karen's tapes, right? So, let's just listen to her. <laughs> 